Hi, everybody. So this is really fun. We are here to talk about the premiere episodes of the new Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. And this is very exciting. And uh, my friend Tom is here. Uh, we haven't done a podcast for a long time, so this is really exciting. Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah. And so <clears throat> uh, we should probably state going into this that I am the definitely the the uh, novice, I guess, the amateur <laughs> when it comes to Star Trek. I've seen all the movies. I've seen a few episodes of the various shows uh, of original series and Next Generations, I should say, and uh, that's about it. Uh, so I I I'm not a. This is this is the first uh, of the series that I will have like started and watched all the episodes and stuff like that. So it's, that's kind of fun for me. Um, should I introduce myself a little bit? Yes, I please. Um, yeah, so I've been a, I'm the more uh, seasoned, I guess, back, a fan between us. Um, I've been a fan since I was about three years old. I watched uh, the premiere of Next Gen when I was seven, you know, um, when it was aired. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've watched every minute that's ever been made of Star Trek and, e- and even some that's not official. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm pretty steeped in it. I, you know, I've got stuff on my desk, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. So I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's kind of be so two different perspectives. It'll be fun. And uh, we did do podcasts. If you, if you're interested last year, we looked at all of the movies. So that was really fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that last year. So I'll put a link in the description section if you want to check out those podcasts and so yeah star trek discovery this uh was kind of long talked about it had sort of a a a build-up that was somewhat controversial they delayed it at least twice i believe uh they had i don't know it was just something that i thought i was nervous about you know that it was going to be you know disaster a lot of people were complaining about uh the trailers a lot of people were complaining about uh, the that it was on CBS All Access, and I, I, I get some of that complaint because there's so many streaming services these days. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I was kind of nervous going into it. Uh, but um, what were your sort of your overall response, your overall reaction to it? Um, having seen the episode, or my response to yeah. like the rollout, or okay, having yeah. seen it, um, I it's Star Trek, it's back. Yeah. It's back on the air, um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, in spite of, yeah, some of the things that concern me. Didn't like the graphics, at, you know, the, the initial graphics and special effects they released at first. Um, I, I'm troubled. I was troubled by a lot of things. I think they CBS really botched the, the launch in many ways. I guess they aired the first episode, but it was only part one. Uh, yeah. You know, really? And, it, and that's... That's not going to hook people. Like that's no. Like if you really want to get people excited, you need to give them a whole story. To anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, they sort of botched the launch, but yeah. Well, and it's weird too because they didn't even give really the first episode with the actual crew. We'll talk about it a right. little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the or the discovery ship. We don't even see that in either of these two episodes. But uh, but. Anyway, I, so I, yeah, I started out a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous, but I loved, I actually loved the trailers. Everybody, I felt like, well, you were positive about them. But I felt like many people were very yeah, negative yeah. about the trailers and I thought they looked epic and, and really cool. 
And so <laughs> I, I, you know, went into watching it and I loved this. I thought it was really exciting and really good. And uh, there was definitely some stuff that was confusing that I didn't really understand kind of what was happening, but I kind of feel that way about most Star Trek. And so I didn't really bother me that much. You know, I don't know. I just was able to be like, okay, whatever. And I, I think what I liked the most, I mean, it looks so beautiful and it was yeah, so exciting, but also I just loved the, this lead character. I thought she was fantastic and it wasn't just a, a female, you know, power kind of whatever girl power character. I thought that she was really interesting and I thought the, the actress, uh, was wonderful. Her name is Sonaka. I don't know how you say her name. Sonika Martin Green. Okay. Yeah. Sonika Martin. She was great. I thought in the role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I thought the character was really well written. Um, because at one, you know, once you see like, uh, things about her that you have to admire and actually things that remind you a lot of old, of other Star Trek characters. I saw a lot of Kirk in her, um, sort of her, her boldness and her, openness to learning new things and um, her pride in being of, of being in Starfleet and also, you know, the conviction of when she knows she's right, she knows it. And she um, tries to, uh, she fights hard for her beliefs. Um, yeah. On the other hand, she is naive. She is um, mistaken. She, she, she's not fully actualized. And I expect that what we're going to get this season is her story, her arc of, how she becomes self self aware enough to become who she's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. So basically like they decided to follow the prime timeline, not the Kelvin timeline. Apparently. For this. And uh so but it does definitely feel feel inspired by the JJ films. As far as the I, styling, yeah, don't you think? To some ex- yeah, to some extent it is, but I think it mostly it's inspired by all the science fiction that's come between Enterprise and now, mm. which Enterprise was the last Star Trek series that aired, for those that don't know. I've heard that that some people compare it to Deep Space Nine. Would you agree? Um, yeah, there is there is a kind of a dim uh, a dimmer aesthetic going on, I guess, and you um, like the lighting, I guess, the lighting quality alone is has <clears throat> well, going for it. And Deep Space Nine wasn't episodic, is that correct? At first it was, and, and much of it is, but it it was one of the early shows on TV, period, to start doing <clears throat> not just seasonal arcs, but entire series arcs, mm. uh, or you've got a big conflict going on, and then you've got all these episodes that may have, yeah, there was, there's little things, there's episodic things that happen within that space, but yes, there is a an overarching thing, whereas, yeah. you know, Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation, um, were episodic. Like you could jump into any of them, get what's going on and follow up from beginning to end pretty much. And the, you didn't really have to be informed about what was going on before for the right. most part. Okay. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I liked that. I, it can be a little frustrating. The serialized shows when they, like you're so invested in the story and then the story doesn't end well and it doesn't finish well. And so that can be kind of frustrating because you feel like, why did I waste my time? <laughs> hearing this story uh that's that's the only thing that's that can be a bummer about them but in general i like them and uh, so it's certainly fun when it starts for sure that's that's definitely 
so yeah, so this it starts out. It's not the discovery. No, it's yeah. the Shen Shenzo. Uh, the Shenzhou, yeah. Shenzhou, and uh, you have uh, the you have Michael um, Burnham is is the uh, one of the leads, and then also uh, you have her captain uh, played by Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Captain yeah. Giorgio. Yeah. And, uh, so they, they've had a mentoring kind of relationship. Uh, and <clears throat> at the very beginning, uh, she goes to check out this, this, uh, space, this piece of space debris, basically figure out what it is. And it turns out that there, she, she ends up getting kind of attacked by these Klingons and, uh, they, and she finds out basically that they are, wanting to like start this that they're the she 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 ends up in this conflict with the klingon leader and she ends up actually like killing the klingon leader and <clears throat> so that that well, or at least uh maybe not a leader but a like a someone important a functionary someone who's, whose job it is to protect like a sacred artifact or yeah the porch bearer so the biggest complaint i've heard from people about this show is people upset with the portrayal of the Klingons. How how do you feel about that? Yeah, I was a little bit, I was honestly a little bothered by it at first too, but at first, Um, but I, I've kind of been paying attention and thinking it through. Mm -hmm. And um, for one thing, the writers have said, I really hope the fans stick with us. Like the, like just trust us. Like we, we know what we're doing. We know Star Trek canon. Believe me, we know why you're nitpicking this stuff. Mm. All right, you know, that, that's what they're telling us. So please just go with us. We promise it will work out. I'm kind of putting a little bit of faith in that. Mm-hmm. That aside, and that all the you know the canonista concerns and stuff about that's not what they really look like. Well, um, it seems to me like they're adding to the look of Klingons. Like for the problem, one of the problems with Star Trek is that. Well, it's not really a problem, but it's one of the characteristics of it is that whenever they meet an alien, everyone in the race is the same. It's, they have their mono monocultures, right? Mm. Um, and whereas you know they'll, they'll meet a people, a race that every the Ferengi, everybody's a capitalist, right? Everybody's a merchant, everybody's in business. That's all they care about. Mm-hmm. So they don't have like volunteer firefighters, like. Uh, there's got to be, there are a lot of functions that people play in a society. What, there's no teachers who, you know, don't really care about profit. They just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Apparently not. It's a monoculture. Um, so. Yeah, uh, that's true. They're adding to, and, and you know, and, and on with earth, there's not just one look of how people dress and how they look, right. There's a lot, there's a lot of diversity within mm-hmm. just, so they're adding that to the Klingons. I think that's cool and interesting, but also, um, I noticed with the the shape of the the beacon and the um, shape of the ships, the shapes used in the in the costumes, they're meant to evoke snakes. And for the purposes of drama, that's really important because in in our you know mythic imagination, snakes are powerful. Are in fact, scientists have found that our eyes are have evolved to see snakes. Like that's that's one of the and one of the most important things our, our bodies are meant to do is to detect snakes and keep away from them, right? So snakes are, as a, as a matter of, like, evolutionary Darwinian tradition, they're our arch enemy, mm. right? So um, 
when you show us the snake-like imagery and these all these snake-looking like looking people, it's supposed to put us in the position of ah, it's a snake. Like we we react to that without even not knowing what's going on. And actually, I think some of the objections to no, I don't like that is it's a snake. I don't like that. Mm, interesting. I can see that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I get it because like, I, I understand because everybody has their fandoms and things. And I certainly this year went through like the remake of beauty and the beast, which was hard for me in a lot of ways. And, uh, uh so I, I, I understand it being hard. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But, um, uh, but <clears throat> hopefully, you know, maybe it'll, hopefully it'll win over some of those more, uh, more critical people, but maybe not. But anyway, uh, it, they they seemed like I do you feel like the Klingons have been very consistent in their look over the years? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, a few things. Uh, see, the one thing I can pin down, one or two things I can pin down that have been consistent across all things are like spikes on their clothes, kinda and. Uh, dark skin, like generally swarthy looking. Yeah. Other than that, and even then there's exceptions to, to those things. Um, so like, yeah, it's pretty open. Like, it, it, sorry. it. You know, there's a, of course, there's a fanboy in me that wants to see original series Klingons on this show, that wants to see no head ridges, just bushy eyebrows and Fu Manchu mustaches and... <laughs> And um, you know, swarthy skin, and um, and and people saying no tricks, you know, and and they're being crafty like they were in the original series. But I'm not gonna get that. This is a movie made in 2017 for people in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's there's sort of an immaturity in among the canonistas, like objecting to all these changes because it makes their tummies feel funny. Well, grow up. <laughs> this is like this has to. This isn't just for you. This has to enchant a new audience in a new way. Yeah, I mean, it, if anything, uh, you and I'm again, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because of you know my reactions to my fandoms, but like you should, in a way, be glad because it is in keeping that tradition alive. You know, it is, mm-hmm. and I guess at least I feel like with this, as opposed to, in my opinion, the Beauty and Beast example, like they are very like respectful in the certainly in the marketing and in the things there's nothing in here that is critical of that legacy that that people love but uh but i get it that it can be hard so i understand but um but anyway and so uh the klingons they are very upset obviously this leader has been killed and uh then so she gets sent back up to the um to the Shenzhou uh-huh. and she uh, she is desperate to like tell them like we have to we have to take out this threat and I thought that this was really interesting because and this seemed to me from my limited experience to feel very Star Trek-y to me this debate that they had between yeah. that uh, the uh, I liked the line where she said battle is not a solution it's a scream and uh, the, this debate between that the Starfleet does not fire first, and then you know she says we have to, we have to. If we, and it's sort of this 
this debate that you even see today of like, do we go in and take out a threat or do we wait until we're attacked? And then, you know, uh, how, how sort of, when are, when are we being, uh, when are we being appeasers? Mm-hmm. And when are we encouraging diplomacy? And you have this sort of debate. Uh, and I thought that that was very well written and very well done between those two women. Yeah, absolutely. And it is very Star Trek yeah, through and through. Um, it's, yeah, it's the classic kind of Star Trek debate. And something, some interesting things I want to point out about that, the idea of the, Vul- Vul- the Vulcan hello, right? That's the mm. name of the first episode. Um, yeah. Where she's arguing, look, the Vulcans, when they first encountered the Klingons, got blown away. So the next time, they don't make the same mistake twice. The next time, they fire first because they're not idiots, um, right? That's the argument. Mm-hmm. Because Vulcans are logical. They, they're, like, they're not hung up on, oh, am I going to feel bad about myself if I shoot first? No, they don't care. They don't feel anything. They're, they're worried about logic and about surviving. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're very um, strict in that way. So this is what the side that the case that Michael's arguing. There's an interesting echo here of the of the um, premiere of Enterprise, the first episode of Enterprise, because they find a wounded Klingon. And um, the Vulcans, who are kind of overseeing Starfleet, like they're not, they're kind of advising Starfleet on how to handle new threats because Starfleet's young and new in, this ser- in that series. So the humans haven't even encountered Klingons yet, right? But suddenly a wounded Klingon shows up on Earth. Mm-hmm. So um, the Vulcans are saying, you have to, no, let him kill him. Let him die. Like he's wounded. You need to kill him. He's in the state that he's in. He'll be a disgrace to his people. Like he, he'll be persona non grata at home. Like you have to kill him. And, and the ca- Captain Archer is like over my dead body. We don't kill people. We've captured who are wounded. We help them get better and, re- and send them home. Um, and we're going to take him home. We're going to wounded or not. He's going home alive. You know, so screw your logic. We're doing what we believe is right. Mm-hmm. So um, there's an interest. It's sort of flipping that a little bit. Where our hero is actually arguing the Vulcan side of things and saying, "Screw our, you know, Starfleet, you know, morals and wh- whether or not we feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've got to do the right thing and make sure fewer people die." Yeah. And um, all through, I like how Michael doesn't know what decisions are the right ones. Like, like, well, she thinks she does, but eventually when she at some point she's asked, is this come from logic or from your feelings? And she's like, I don't know. She's like following her instinct and her experience of having been with, having killed this Klingon and having had, you know, what she felt when she was there. And, uh, and she's hoping that people will trust her. But of course, they're they're also you know nervous and scared, and I, I, I yeah I thought it was really good. And he says, uh, and she says, how many lives will be lost from your failure to act? And he says, whose lives? Victims of your imaginary war? Right. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the debate that you get in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, where Koba uh, and Caesar have that same sort of debate uh, whereas Cobus says we need to we need to act against these humans they're they're going to hurt us in the future whereas Caesar says no we we need to we need to keep peace as much as possible and so they have this sort of debate between them kind of remind me of that a little bit and I I, I thought it was really good where how did you feel about her 
um, pinch knocking, uh, whatever they call it, uh, knocking out the captain. Was that? Oh yeah. yeah. That was that, the, the, one of the things that, that made me feel so good about this is that they surprised me so much. Hmm. Right. That, that shocked me. Yeah. Um, along with the, the ramming incident. Did that feel like something that she would do? Like, was that not, because uh, some people said, oh, this is more like Star Wars than like Star Trek. This is too much like a space opera rather than a sci-fi. Uh, did did that seem like something that a Star Trek captain, you know, would some that Star Trek uh, would do to their captain? No. Uh, like, uh, traditionally, no. But this is, you know, this in these first two episodes, if you think you're watching a traditional Star Trek show, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you don't, mm. you don't know how Star Trek usually goes, right? Okay. They're and this is what they're doing with the fans. They're they're sort of presenting us with, oh, okay, this is a Star Trek show, and I know this, I've seen this. So here's the captain, and here's the first officer, and we'll be with them for seven years. So we better get used to them. We better mm. cozy up to Captain Giorgio because she's going to be our captain. And um, yeah, don't get used to her. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, exactly. Yeah, and 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 um, I I um, watched one of the videos you sent me, and and they were, it was I was laughing because they hadn't seen the second episode yet, so they were going, "How does she do that and stay in Starfleet for the rest of the series?" And spoiler, she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I I I guess I didn't know that. I thought it worked. I thought I believed that she would do that because I don't really know Star Trek that well. So it wasn't like I was, they were like, no, no, no officer would mutiny like that. Like that's just never, that would not happen. And like, I don't know. I believed it because they had this debate and she was desperate. Yeah. On the other hand, under the right circumstances, Spock would do that in a New York minute. That's what I thought. And I, I, cause didn't, um, I mean, I, I just saw Wrath of Khan in the theaters, which was really fun. Uh, and he certainly does that to, um, uh, to, to Bones. Yeah. Spock. He says, sorry, doctor. I, can't, I don't have time to discuss this logically. I need to save everybody right now. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what Michael thinks she's doing. Mm-hmm. Because we have mentioned, so there are flashbacks to her childhood because she was found, found or, or I forget, uh, by Sarek, who is Spock's brother, correct? Or, uh, father. Father, sorry. Father. And, uh, and so she's basically kind of raised to be of, of in the Vulcan ways. Yeah, well, there's a lot. I have, I have many questions about, <laughs> about her origins. But I do think it's interesting because we have had characters in Star Trek before who were born are of another race and then are raised by a completely different race. Mm-hmm. Um, Worf is who comes to mind first, right? He's mm. Klingon but was rescued by Starfleet and uh, raised by humans in the Ukraine. So mm-hmm. um, like his, his ado- he has adopted parents, right? And um, so, uh, and we kind of get to see in the series how he responds to that. Um, so yeah. we're kind of getting a similar dynamic with Michael Burnham here. And also like, I'm wondering like, how is it that, okay, so we get a flashback to seven years prior, Sarek and, and, Michael come aboard the the Shenzhou, and they meet Captain Georgia, Giorgio, and um, it's, and it's like, oh hi, we don't get why she's there, and seven years later she's first officer. Like that's quick. I mean, no academy training. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's there's still a lot of questions to be answered about. I do. I did get the feel though, and this is another thing that's. Another insight, I guess, from a, a, a longtime fan. There is the dynamic between Giorgio and 
uh, Michael, reminded me a lot of uh, Seven of Nine and Captain Janeway um, in mm. Star Trek Voyager. All right, so um, for those that don't know, in Star Trek Voyager, they're lost in space on the other side of the galaxy, and they're trying to make their way home. Along the way, they run into the Borg, and they um, end up um, making a deal with the Borg to pass through their space unarmed. In the process, they um, sort of capture um, a member of the collective and deprogram her, right? They take out her Borg implant, a bunch of her Borg implants and stuff, but she was raised by the Borg, and they and so she's kind of a waif, right? She's kind of an orphan, um, and Janeway takes her under her wing and helps mentor her into being human again. Okay. And so I'm seeing a similar dynamic at play. There's sort of a mother-daughter thing going with Michael and, and Captain Giorgio. Hmm. And so, which is, you know, logic would dictate at the end when Captain Giorgio's killed. Michael had every reason to not kill that Klingon, but to cap- stun his ass and capture him mm-hmm. so that they could do exact, so they could ex- execute the plan. But because her, her adoptive mom, her best friend, Captain Giorgio, was killed, she took revenge. Yeah. And she is killed. So that, so is, is the Klingon war like a thing in canon that's sort of talked about in things uh, like the Clone yes. Wars? Um, it, yeah. It's touched on in a, one or two episodes of the original series. Um, there's a, and I imagine we'll get to this in the series. There's a, a legendary captain named um, Garth mm-hmm. of Izar who is a Starfleet captain. He is, you know, he ends up being a legend in Starfleet and they study him in the Academy, but then he does something genocidal and goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the original series episode where we meet him, he's crazy. He's a lunatic and yeah. a megalomaniac. Um, so there's, a, that's, that's what's re- being referenced there. Um, but other than that, we don't know much more about it. Now we did meet the, the Klingons at Enterprise a few times and it, they weren't. It wasn't all out war, but it wasn't mm-hmm. always friendly either. Well, yeah, I mean, we in the in the uh, sixth, uh, well, the third and sixth film also. It's very. Oh sure, Klingons. yeah, uh-huh. and it's not, and again, it's not all out war, but it's kind of a. They were meant, you know, in the original series when it aired, they were meant to be sort of Cold War analogs, mm. uh, like Russian analogs, um, where, like, oh, you know. We we uh, we're showing up to to uh, talk to these people, um, to about their dilithium, right, or their, their resources. Yeah. And then the and then there's a dispute over who gets them. Okay. Right. So it's kind of the Cold War thing that was going on with Vietnam and Korea and stuff like that, where you had these little proxies conflicts, but not direct conflict at all times. Yeah. So do you feel like it's it's too war heavy and not enough explore exploration uh, or how do you feel that about that? That's well, that's a fair concern, right? I, I know that some fans are, I'm sympathetic to the, the criticism some fans have that like uh, this is a little too stuck in the past where like, Oh, Oh, we're talking to Klingons again. We're not meeting new people. Mm-hmm. We're not pushing the boundaries out into the frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we'll get some of that. I think we may, but I, you know, honestly, though, in terms of the mythic, the mythical significance of Star Trek and, and how the myth of Star Trek works, it's really about exploring yourself. When you're, you know, when you're pushing out into the frontier, what we're really talking about is we're pushing in to ourselves. 
mm-hmm. to discover what's there and how and how do we respond to it? How do we react to it? And that's in place here. Yeah, yeah, and I I can't imagine that uh, that the that we won't have some of that exploration. Like, I don't think the Klingon war is going to last the whole season uh, or the whole, it may may. probably not the whole series, but yeah. 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 And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I'm excited to see the new when Once we actually get the the full cast, you're going to have rain Wilson, Jason Mm -hmm. Isaac is coming uh, and uh, a bunch more people. uh, And, uh, that because uh, once we actually like so once we actually get the discovery, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was kind of a bold move to not even put the sh- the the, sh- the title ship in the in the episode. Yeah, like not not even for a second. Yeah. So and they the 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 Indian. I was a little. I have to say, I was a little confused. So they they have like an invisible ship or something, or or there's a cloak uh, ship. They have a cloaking. They have a cloaking device, which a, a lot of the canonistas are up in arms about because. In the original series, they encounter Romulans who have cloaking devices, and, and they, at that time, they're saying, "Oh, this is new. What? You know, we've never encountered this before." Yeah, and so the uh, the the ship, the the one Starfleet ship, uh, crashes into the Klingon ship. Correct? Is that no, at it's the end? The way around. It's the other way around. The, oh, okay. Um, I loved that scene. Like, I loved how you start to see mysteriously the, sh- the ship kind of bending in on itself and there's explosions kind of, and you're what is going on? Like I'm, I'm wondering like, did they beam over a weapon or something? I did, it didn't occur to me for a second that they had cloaked the ship and were ramming and then they revealed themselves. And I went, <gasps> like I, I literally gasped. Um, and because they're, and they're cutting it clean in half, right? It really, you know, ballsy move. Like, yeah, because then we lose we lose G- Giorgio, and we also lose yeah. the Klingon ca- uh, captain. It's one of those Tacumba. Star Trek always has really hard names. Yeah. <laughs> really Tacumba, and <laughs> so and he's killed by uh, by Michael, and uh, so and yeah. the albino. The albino kind of takes over. Um, yeah, that was interesting. An albino Klingon. About that guy too, like he, he, oh, what, you know, Klingons are always their name, son of their father's name, right? But he's his name, son of nobody, son of none. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because he's an outcast, right? He would have been a ban. I guess apparently he would have been abandoned at birth um, for being an albino. So yeah, that's weird, and yeah, I'm kind of curious where they're going with that. I'm kind of. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm curious to get to know this guy and what he's like. Yeah, me too. It was an interesting look to him, and uh, it's it's that's the one I think named Volk. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, we do have the the one the male. Uh, I guess his name is Anderson. That uh, that his is the one that the uh, ship gets um. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You wrote that's right. That's what it's called. So yeah, in the next one we'll have uh, yeah a bunch of new new people, and uh, so it should be pretty fun. But um, but yeah, I like I said, I really really enjoyed it. I thought that uh, it was uh, I don't know. I just thought it was 
really heartfelt. I thought it had some really good writing, really good dialogue. I thought it looked amazing. The visuals were just so impressive. And I mean, I guess they're spending between like around like $8 million an episode for this show. And uh, I, I thought that honestly, I thought that, that being on a streaming would mean that they would take less financial risk on the show. And uh, so that, uh, because, <clears throat> because they're already taking a risk with the streaming thing. But then, I don't know, I just, I thought it looked as good as Star Trek Beyond, honestly. Yeah, pretty close. Um, it, it, they, um, they didn't splash out on, on it as much, but there was still like some economy. Like I could still that they see that they were making the most of the sets, they were making the most of what they had, mm-hmm. um, but by no means was it on a shoestring, obviously. But I, but um, yeah, the scale of it was cool, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's certainly the prettiest Star Trek series we've ever had, yeah. without a doubt. Well, and I'll be excited to to get to see how the whole crew, because that's a big thing about Star Trek that's fun is like the whole crew dynamic, and right. we got a little bit with Saru. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, um, but, yeah, but we haven't we we haven't even really started yet. Like we, I feel right. like we kind of got a, a tease. Yeah, this is like a prequel sort of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I really liked it. I would give it like I don't know. I'd give it like four out of five stars. I really thought it was strong and very entertaining, and um, I'm excited for the series. Yeah, me too. Um, I, and mostly, it's just like I have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah, they they dropped enough stuff. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to find out about that. I can't wait to learn about that. I love having new Star Trek to explore. Like, I like yeah. watching it, not knowing everything about it. Yeah, me. Oh, well, I mean, I I I think I can imagine that would be true. And it's fun for me to just start out fresh, you know, to be like waiting for the episodes, you know, and and which I've never done that with Star Trek. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And and the only complaint as far as from fans that I've definitely put back, push back on is some who claimed, Oh, like the, the PC casting or whatever. And I think that's totally ridiculous because I think the Star Trek has always had, <laughs> I guess you could say PC casting. I mean, they've right. always had a diverse cast. Like it's always been racially and, and, you know, progressive. Yeah. yeah it's a progressive show. Like it if, is. if you're a conservative person, and, and you have a problem with shows with a progressive kind of slant, this isn't for you. Like yeah. if you can't accept like some other, someone else's ideas about how the world works or whatever. Then. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that they, I, they cast really good people. I think that, I mean, at least the lead, I, I just thought she was tremendous. She was very good. Yeah. And, uh, so it wasn't obviously just because she is a woman of color, but now, what gets me, what bothers me, what bothers me is the, the members of the press who are celebrating the diversity of the cast in an ignorant way, where they're mm-hmm. saying, oh, it's the first Star Trek with a black lead, and, and Benjamin Sisko from Deep Space Nine is over there going, excuse me? Right, yeah. Or this is the first one with a female lead, and, 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 <laughs> and Captain Janeway from Voyager is over there going, I beg your pardon? Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> have you, like, have you ever watched this show? Like, do you know what you're talking about? Have you, or did you just see the J.J. Abrams movies and that's all you know? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you yeah. know, fine. Not everybody has to be into Star Trek, but do your research before you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the best things is uh, uh is uh, Uhura in the original yeah series. I love her. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like. Um, we're finally getting the Uhura stories we never got. 
Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So, what would you give it if you uh, just off these this premiere? What would you, uh, out of out of five stars? What would you give it? I'm kind of be, tend to be more binary. Just best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> best show ever or worst show ever. I like okay. I like Mr. Sunday movies. Like a thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down kind of thing. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh-huh. I would definitely yeah. give a thumbs up then if if we're doing that. Uh, so cool. Well, where can people find you? I don't know. <laughs> On the internet, I guess. Um, I've got a Twitter feed. I'd love for you to check out at Happy Place Poems. Um, it's poems inspired by Disneyland. Um, if you want to follow me personally and just my random stuff, I'm at Elmano Roboto. Awesome. I'll have links to that in the description section. And we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, all the episodes. We'll do our best to, to have them uh, quickly, you know, as much as we can. And uh, so it should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, this will be a good time. So put in the comments section what you thought of the these episodes and uh yeah, what what uh what you what your pluses and minuses might be for the series so far. So thanks so much for joining me talking about Star Trek. <laughs>